by inheritance obtain a name that is so excellent for unto which of the angels had God said at any time you are my son this day have I begotten thee and again I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son now the reason for this again is because you see when Jesus became sin on the cross and remember when he said my God my God why has thou forsaken me he was separated from the father but not only was he separated, when he became sin, he took that sin nature. That's not the nature of God, is it? Amen? And because he took that sin nature, how was he ever going to get back into that place of holiness? He himself had to become born again. He stopped being the son of God, and so he became the son of God again. So he says, again, I will be to him a father, and again, he shall be to me a son. And when he bring it in the first begotten into the world, he said... Let all the angels of God, when he brought Jesus into the world, when Jesus got born again, he says, let all of the angels of God worship him. Well, let me ask you something. Doesn't the Bible, doesn't the, the Ten Commandments say, thou shalt have no other God but me, and you shall worship no other God? Doesn't it say that? Well, why would God say to the angels, his own angels, to worship Jesus? The reason he could do that is because Jesus was God. So that man Christ Jesus had died that became sin that was separated but was now born again and was now raised up and was now, he was now made God so there is a man that is God in the Godhead. And, Jesus, and God made him heir of all things and give him by inheritance a more excellent name. We see Jesus. Because when you see Jesus then you can also see what you are an heir to. There's a reason why we have a, why his name belongs to us. That most excellent name. Because we are a joint heir. The Bible says in another place in, in Romans chapter 5, 9 and verse 5. That Jesus is forever blessed. Well if Jesus is forever blessed. And you are joint heir with him. Then you are forever blessed. I'm trying for us to get this mind of Christ within us. And to think this way. So unto the Son, he said, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Unto the Son, he said, Thy throne, O God. God the Father said to the Son, Jesus, Your throne, O God. God called Jesus God. Hallelujah. You have loved righteousness and hated iniquity before. Therefore, God, even your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above all thy fellows. All things belong to Jesus. Everything belongs to Jesus. Can you see that? He has all power. He has all authority in heaven and in earth. He is forever blessed. Well, you are joined here to all power, to all authority, to everything that, that belongs to Jesus. That is why when you go back to Ephesians, he says not only that you would see what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, but he goes on to say that even including the exceeding great power that was demonstrated when he raised Jesus from the dead. Say, so I'm an heir to it all. So you are heir to all of it. Jesus Everything belongs to him and you are an heir to all of it. Is it because of what you did? No, but because of what he did. You know what that's called? Grace. That's grace, is it not? It's grace that can give you such tremendous abundance of power and authority and everything else because it's going to include every spiritual blessing. He's going to daily load you with benefits. 
It's going to include redemption from, the, from every curse. It's going to include prosperity. It's all of that. But how come all of this is yours? How come this is mine? It is by grace. It's done by grace. But you see, the Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 17, the law was given by Moses. But grace came out through Jesus Christ. Amen? What a great salvation. Now the Bible says, it goes on to say in Hebrews chapter 2, and um, verse 1 to 3, it says, look, when you recognize these dimensions, when you recognize this excellence, when you recognize the, the how, how, how manifold, how rich, how abundant is this great salvation and redemption, it says, take heed and don't let these truths slip from you. Because how are you going to escape if you neglect this great and awesome salvation that has been brought to you? Are you with me? So this is great. All right. So we, we cannot, we must not be negligent. We got to get a hold of this. We got to be diligent about it and we got to possess it. Now, let's, let's begin to look a little further as to what is involved with this inheritance. First of all, let me say this. The Bible says in, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse, and verse 11, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11, it says, In whom also you have obtained an inheritance. Say, I already got it. Remember, you were born again to that inheritance. You have already obtained that inheritance that was predestined according to the purpose of God from before the foundation of the world. Amen? Now, in Galatians, I want you to know you've got to know I got it. Say, I got it. You have to know you got it. You see, healing becomes relatively easy when you recognize that you got all the healing you could ever need in your spirit, and it's just a matter of drawing it out. Are you with me? Amen. But it's the same thing where this inheritance is concerned. Galatians chapter 4 from verse 1 says, I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, now, he differs not from a servant, even though he's Lord of all. Let me ask you something. If the heir is a child, and he's just a brand new Christian or a little baby, is he still an heir? Is he still an heir? He might not know what belonged to him, but is, is he still an heir? Well, so it says, an heir, even though he's a child and he doesn't grasp all this stuff, and in many ways he's still like a servant, having to have babysitters and tutors and governors, but he is Lord of all. Say Lord of all. This is in the Bible. This is Galatians 4 verse 1. He's under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God had sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Wherefore, you are no more a servant, but you are a son. Say, I'm a son of God. And if I'm a son, then you are also an heir of God through Christ. Say, I'm an heir. The inheritance is mine. All of it is mine. Now, what does that in inheritance include? Everything. Say, everything. It even includes, you know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 21 and verse 22, you can look it up, but it says all things are yours. 
It even says the future is yours. Think about that. Say the future is mine. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. All things are yours. All things are yours. You know, there's a, is, it, I know, is it a song or is it a Christian song? All things nice and beautiful. All creatures made of God. Anybody know that song? All things nice. Well, all things nice and beautiful. Amen. All things that pertain, in 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Psalms 84 verse 11 says, there is no good thing that he will withhold from them that walk uprightly. And another place it says, he daily loads us with benefits. Say all good things. Would that include health? Would that include wealth? Would that include authority? Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, you are blessed. With every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Why is it in heavenly places? Because it's the inheritance. You are born again to an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, reserved where? In that heavenly place, in that arena, in that realm. Now what we got to do is draw it out of that realm and cause it to be made manifested here. Amen? Now, the Holy Spirit of God is the confirming witness to the fact that you've got this inheritance. Hebrews 10 verse 15 talks about that. He is the witness. And the mere fact that you've got the Holy Ghost means that that inheritance truly is yours. In another place in Ephesians 1 verse 14, it says that the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of promise, mm, the Holy Spirit, he is the down payment or the guarantor, the guarantee of the inheritance. You know, if you buy a piece of property or you buy, your, you, you know, you, 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 you bought some, some particular item and then you, and you put a down payment on it. Amen? You don't pay all of it, but you put a down payment on it. What are you saying? You're saying, I'm going to come and pay the rest later. Isn't that right? But you're saying there's more coming. Well, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in Ephesians 1 verse 14 and a few other places, He is the guarantee. He is the down payment. But he's also the guarantee that more is coming. Say more is coming. He's the guarantee of what? The inheritance. Say the inheritance. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me show you something briefly. Matter of fact, let's... let's, let's okay, let's flip over here. Romans chapter 4. Let's, let's briefly. Ha, ha, ha. Praise the name of the Lord. Maybe I could come, come about it this way. You need to know not only that the inheritance belongs to you and that you already have it in your spirit, but you also need to know that it is God's will for that inheritance to be made manifest. Amen? If you don't know that, it, that okay, you know you got it, but you don't know it is the will of God for it to be made manifest, you won't be able to operate in confidence. And the Bible says, we know that whatsoever we ask, this is the confidence that we have. That whatever we ask according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, then we know that we have those petitions that we desire of Him. First John, John 5, 14 and 15. So we need to have that confidence that it is the will of God. Alright, watch this here. Romans chapter 4 and verse 13, talking about Abraham. It says the promise... That he, Abraham, should have been an heir of the world. Heir of the world. 
was not to Abraham or to his seed through law. It was not based on Abraham's good merits and behavior and conduct and works. It was not through the law, but it was through the righteousness of faith. Amen? It is through this oneness that he can operate in because of faith, because of confidence in the sacrifice. Now, if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Now, what is very interesting here is we're talking about a promise, and he says the promise that he should be what? Heir. Promise that he should be what? Heir. If you're talking heir, you're also talking inheritance. Are you with me? The promise that he should be heir, which means connected with inheritance, it was not by the law that he was an heir, but it was by promise. It was by promise. Here is the point here. Matter of fact, hold that thought. Say promise. promise. All right. Um, let me go back to Ephesians chapter 1 for a moment. I can just blurb this out, but let me just... Um, all right. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says, In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is... The earnest of the inheritance. This Holy Spirit of promise is the down payment and the guarantee of the inheritance. What I want to say to you is this. The very, you know, many times we talk about the promise of the Spirit, the promise of the Spirit. And sometimes when we think the promise of the Spirit, we think, we think in terms of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised. And that's fine too. But the promise of the Spirit is actually the inheritance. The promise of the Spirit is actually the inheritance. Galatians chapter 3. Now why would God, in other words, then the mere fact that God would give you the Holy Spirit, which is the promise of the inheritance, in and of itself, means that God wants you to have this inheritance and have it manifested. Why would you make a promise to someone if you have no desire to fulfill it. You follow me? You follow me? Alright. Galatians chapter 3. Verse. Well Galatians chapter 3 and verse 18. If the inheritance be of the law. It is no more of promise. Let me skip that one. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. Christ had redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us. For curse is everyone that's hanging on the tree. Why did he redeem us from the curse of the law? That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. The blessing of Abraham. The blessing of Abraham. Abraham who was heir of the world. That that blessing might come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That we should receive. Now instead of just saying the blessing. Or instead of him saying that we should receive this same inheritance, it says that we should receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. What is the point? The promise of the Spirit is the inheritance. So the mere fact 
that the, that, that the very promise of the Spirit is the inheritance, that in and of itself says that the will of God is for you to have the inheritance, and as you cooperate with him, then he will cause that inheritance to be made manifest. Part of the very ministry of the Holy Spirit was to come and to lead us and to guide us into what? All truth. Take the things that are Christ and reveal them unto us. John 16 verse 14 and, and in that area. Why? Because they belong to us and the Holy Spirit says, Come here, let me escort you. Let me show you how this works. I'm going to bring you into your inheritance. The Bible says in Isaiah 48 verse 17 that he will teach you to profit and he will lead you in the way in which thou shouldest go. Amen? Hallelujah. So it is the will of God for you to possess your inheritance. Let me just give you a couple of reasons there to just to prove that point. That was one. The fact that it's the promise of the Spirit and God keeps his promises. God doesn't make a promise that he doesn't have a desire to fulfill. Amen? That's number one. Number two. Jesus said in John 16 verse 13, when the Holy Spirit has come, he says, I will send him. He will not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. And he will take the things, and then Jesus said this, he will glorify me. He's going to glorify me, Jesus. How is he going to do that? He's going to take what belongs to me, and he's going to show it to you. In other words then, when you prosper, when you manifest the inheritance, when you manifest divine healing, divine health, God is glorified. Does it not say that he might be glorified in our spirit and our body? Our body is the temple of the living God, that he might be glorified? When you walk in health, when you walk in prosperity, when you walk in freedom, when you walk in liberty, when you, walk, when you manifest the inheritance, he is glorified. Amen? It is the will of God that you possess inheritance. Third John 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you might what? Prosper. And what? Be in health even as your soul prosper. That's the will of God that you manifest that inheritance. It's why he sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not only sent to lead us into the inheritance to be the witness to that inheritance, to be the guarantor of that inheritance, to be the down payment of that inheritance. But the Holy Spirit is also the very anointing of God that is within us to break yokes and remove burdens. What yoke? The yoke of poverty. The yoke of lack. The yoke that says somehow I'm not qualified. Amen? One of the things the Holy, does, Holy Spirit does is to convince you that you are righteous. Do you know that? The Holy Spirit wants you to, he has an assignment to convince you, you are righteous and you've got rights. You can operate in oneness with God and that you've got authority. He wants you to function that way. Hallelujah. Break the yokes, remove the burdens, perfect that which concerns you. Come on, if I'm walking in divine health. If I'm having freedom and liberty and no bond and I don't have the oppression and depression. But in the meantime, I have such severe financial lack and oppression in that financial arena. Would you say that I'm perfected? No, but the Holy Spirit, Psalms 138 verse 8 says that he perfects all that concerns me. Does that include the financial arena? Does that include my health? Does that include my sanity? Of course. Amen? So again, why is, he, why is he working within me both to will and to do God's good pleasure? Because possessing this inheritance is the will of God for you. 
Hallelujah. Now God has set within the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. What for? For the building up of the saints. Why? So that they might mature. Well, what exactly does that mean? Colossians 1.25 says that they would be able to... Up, let me quote it correctly. Hallelujah. Colossians 1.25 says... Wherefore, apostles are made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. I have a responsibility, and every fivefold minister have a responsibility to help you to get fulfillment to the promises of God and for the word of God to be fulfilled in your life. Isn't that right? Isn't that in Joshua chapter 1 verse 6? When, when after Moses died, Jesus says, God said to Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. And then he told Joshua, you be strong and you be very courageous. Why? Because you got to take these people across the Jordan and divide unto them their inheritance. Amen? It is not just to get people to jump up and run around. And it's not just, uh, yes, it is to minister healing. And it is, but it is to help you to get your inheritance. Why then would God anoint people and release the Holy Spirit? What for? To, for you to possess your inheritance. Say, it is God's will that I prosper and I have and manifest all of my inheritance in the name of Jesus. Now, you say, but I'm not good enough. I mean, look at the things I've done. Look at my background. I'm not educated enough. I was born on the wrong side of the track. I've got the wrong color skin. No, 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 no. The Bible says in Colossians 1 verse 12 that he has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance in the saints. That means, the word meet means he has qualified you and I. You are qualified by the sacrifice of Christ, by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus for the inheritance. So if you start making excuses, oh no, and you to, try to, to disqualify yourself or let somebody else disqualify you, God will say, cut it out. You are qualified because of the blood that my son shed. So you've got no right to disqualify. For you to disqualify yourself from the inheritance... Is for you to disannul or disregard or disrespect the blood of Christ. Would you want to do that? Well, say I'm qualified for all of the inheritance. Amen. Hallelujah. He's qualified you. Jesus redeemed you from the curse of the law. That the blessings might be yours. Second Corinthians 8 verse 9 says, He became poor that you through his poverty might be made rich. Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord, it make it rich, and it add no sorrow with it. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 says, Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for he it is that gives you power to get wealth, so that he might establish his covenant in the earth. Now, it might not, no, no, when, we start, when we talk about one of the keys, I'll tell you one of them right now. When it comes to the issue of prosperity, one of the keys to receiving the prosperity is the issue of purpose, is the issue of motive. In other words, my, I must not desire prosperity just so that I can have bigger barns. But why? Deuteronomy 8, 18 says, He's given us the power to get wealth so that His covenant shall be established in, his, in the earth. So that his house might be filled. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, 
The Bible says they spoiled the Egyptians. Remember that? And they went and they took the silver and the gold and the fancy garments off of the Egyptians. And they went out into the desert with a whole lot of silver and gold. But because they did not understand the purpose for that silver and gold, you know what happened? They ended up building a golden calf. When in fact the purpose for that silver and gold was to build the tabernacle, the sanctuary of the Lord. Amen? Exodus 25 verse 8. Well, similarly, God wants us to prosper. But what for? So that this gospel could go to the ends of the earth so that we can help other people, so that we can build a permanent habitation and, and, and sanctuary for God made up of people that are born again. Living stones. So there is a purpose for prosperity and that is important. Amen? Hallelujah. And that's one of the keys when it comes to, well, how do we do this? How do we receive our prosperity? Because it's one thing, it's one thing for us to have all of this inheritance in the inside, but it's another thing for us to possess it. It's another thing for us to manifest it. It's one thing for you to have some rich uncle that leaves millions of dollars for you in some particular bank account. That's wonderful and it's yours. But you need to find out where that account is and you need to know how to make withdrawals. Isn't that right? So the fact that you've got all of this on the inside is great. But how do I make the withdrawals? How do I receive it? How do I manifest it? Because it belongs to every child of God. Every child of God has been qualified by the blood and by the sacrifice of Christ. How do we receive this inheritance? Wouldn't you like to know? Alright. Now, let me just say this. The one, number one, major key is faith. Back in, YouTube, back in Acts 26, verse 18, which we looked at earlier, where Paul says that when God called him, and he sent him to, turn the, to, to, to open the eyes of the Gentiles, and to help them to what? To receive forgiveness and their inheritance by faith. How do you receive it? By faith. By faith. You receive it by faith. In fact, here's a wonderful verse of scripture. Revelation 21 verse 7 says, He that overcometh shall inherit all. In other words, he that overcometh shall inherit all. Well, what's the key to overcoming? 1 John 5 4 says, This is the victory that overcometh, even our faith. So faith can cause you to overcome. Faith is the means by which you possess your inheritance. I'm going to talk about several different things in a little while. But at the end of the day, faith is the major key. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And faith is confidence in the sacrifice of Christ. Faith is confidence in what Jesus has done. His death, burial, resurrection, ascension, his shed blood, his name that is given to us, the promises that are ours, and his life in us. But since faith is the key, if I had to stop right now, I would say faith is the key, but then what does faith look like? Faith has to believe right. It has to believe the truth. It has to believe the word. It has to be believe what Jesus has finished. And faith must speak accordingly. It must speak the truth. The Bible says in Titus 1 verse 3, God says I will manifest my word through preaching. Which means what? I'm going to cause you to experience whatever that word say as you preach it, as you speak it, as you say it. Hence saying is important. Faith is our responsibility. The right response to God's ability. The right response to what God has done. The right response to the truth. The right response to the sacrifice of Christ. 
So first and foremost, it is what? Faith. Say faith. Now let me give you some keys quickly. Number one. There is a devil out there. Did you know that? Yes. Right? And in fact, sometimes he even comes into the meeting. 